Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Tuesday, June 20th edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Rick Uccino, SP3, here as always. A little later start than I had anticipated, but mistakes were made. Doesn't matter. We're here, ready to rock and roll. CM Punk is back in professional wrestling. And damn it, personal opinion, I think it is much better for it. This is an industry that needs to have stars that can elicit a response in SP3. If there is one thing that CM Punk can do, it's elicit a response, whether positively or negatively. And I am so damn happy that he is back in AEW and on AEW Collision and may not be done yet in the city of Chicago because he very well may be on Dynamite this Wednesday as well. There's a lot to dive into there with the CM Punk versus Elite, possibly versus all AEW situation that we got cooking there. And then the other civil war is going on in WWE. A bloodline divided. Jay Uso making his decision on Friday, super kicking the teeth out of Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. And now it is set. Usos versus Reigns and Sokoa. Main event, money in the bank. Vince McMahon is making changes again. A superstar returns on Monday Night Raw, although not the one we were anticipating, but still very exciting. Good time, SP3. What's going on, good sir? How you doing? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Believe. Uh, it's a Tuesday. You know what that means. It's time for us to talk about some wrestling in 45 minutes or less. Yes. Yeah. yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. We got a lot to dive into today. Appreciate everybody who is in the chat right now. Uh, feel free to get your comments in as uh, quickly as uh, possible throughout the entirety of the show. I'll try to get to as many of them. We are in a bit of a, a crunch today. Yes, Stephen, go Reds, nine in a row now. Joey Votto, the GOAT, is back, and all is good in Cincinnati. Uh, appreciate everybody, Stephen and Safet and Noob and Ace, even though he's a Diamondbacks fan. We appreciate you. We welcome all, all, all walks of life uh, here on uh, Believe in Pro Wrestling. Do us a favor, though, if you're here, Hammer that uh, thumbs up button because that really helps drive up our audience. Secondly, if you're new to the program, you like what you see, hit that subscribe button and also turn on your notifications. So that way, you know, when we go live that we're going live or if I'm about to drop a new interview, you can check it out right here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. And thank you. Yes, a shock. It was uh, a blast on Friday uh, working with Sean and Iridian and Cresta. And uh, unfortunately, I have to work overnights this weekend, but thankfully it'll be the last one. And I'll be back uh, every Saturday on the uh, Fightful YouTube channel moving forward after this uh, next week. There is some news, by the way, on the ticket sales front as far as Collision is concerned. And we'll have that coming up for you as well. First things first, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. They continue to be your number one source for all of your betting needs. Put it all on red. And by that, I mean the red hot Cincinnati Reds. Nine in a row. Going for 10 tonight. First time since 2012. One and a half over. I say put it on them. Ride it while it's hot. Uh, get the latest odds, lines, and matchup uh, reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. That includes the NFL, obviously, which is just around the corner. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available right from your phone. Go to the website or use the aforementioned mobile device. Sign up today. Get in on the action. 
Just remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, and get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, Bet Online, where the game starts. And SP3, we will start with the talk of the town, and that is one CM Punk, one Bill Phil, CM Junk, the King, whatever you want to call him. He is back. He had a lot to say, although I don't uh, I have a hunch not as much as he wanted to say or was legally allowed to say on Saturday. I still thought it was a promo uh, that delivered whether or not you thought he was telling lies or not. SP three, a lot of subtle and not so subtle shots at the elite seem to go in on hangman Adam Page there a little bit as well, because he's one of the guys that he can legally go after. And then also made it pretty damn clear what his intentions are now that he's back, which means we could be heading towards CM Punk and MJF for the AEW world title down the line. Showed up with a bag. Said, if you, I never lost this. You want it. Somebody pin or submit me for it. And there are people who want these shoes that are hanging around my neck for me to drop them in the middle of the ring and walk away. I ain't going to do that until there is somebody in this company that can fill them. SP3, my dude brought props on Saturday and delivered with both of them. I enjoyed the hell out of this promo. Again, I love that CM Punk is back. I enjoyed the main event as well. I thought it was a nice little teaser, nice little way to introduce him back into the flow of professional wrestling as most of that match was surrounded by FTR and Bullet Club Gold. But just seeing Punk and Joe back in the ring for just a little bit there. There was a lot to like on Saturday. Oh, uh, yeah. I really enjoyed the debut edition of Collision. I thought CM Punk's promo was very strong. Um, could be interpreted as whining a bit. He was very whiny in uh, a lot of the stuff he said he was saying. Like, the people that cheer me, you're smart. If you don't like me, you're <laughs> dumb, basically, is what is what he, I, I translated it down, that yeah. Yeah, and what I translated that as, like, uh, eh, not the most babyface uh, promo. So I think that it's appropriate that he's playing he's playing the role of a tweener and, uh, you know, he's sick of being nice. I thought that there was a lot of great one-liners that you could just make it a T-shirt. Tell me when I'm telling lies can be <laughs> its own T-shirt. One Bill Phil can be its own T-shirt. Young Bucks can run with counterfeit bucks as yeah, their own T-shirt. So, so, yeah, it's a whole bunch bunch of great stuff going back and forth and uh set this set the seeds sold the seeds for a possible feud with the young bucks and the elite sold a, a, a potential third matchup with mjf since they are technically one in one with one another and both have a claim to being the aew world champion um i think that it also sets the stage for punk to maybe somehow find himself wrestling at forbidden doors since you have mjf JF, who says that he's not going to show up. He's going to no-show Forbidden Door. He doesn't want to defend his title against Hiroshi Tadahashi. You have CM Punk here who wants to claim that he's the AEW World Champion still. He was supposed to face Hiroshi Tadahashi because you could have a situation where MJF no-shows or says he's not showing up at Forbidden Door and CM Punk fills those shoes for him and we get the matchup we were supposed to have last year. So I would love that as well. So a lot of potential stuff. I think the only nitpicks that I have to Punk's promo as well as overall collision is Punk's promo did absolutely nothing and I mean nothing to promote the main event it was like he wasn't even yeah. wrestling 
It was like he wasn't even wrestling. He never mentioned, oh, I, I feels good. I'm going to team up with my boys, FTR. Never said, oh, I have, I have you know, a pass with, with Samoa Joe. No, I don't like what Bullet Club Gold did to FTR. Nothing. Nothing. You would have thought that that was the end of, of CM Punk. If I was a casual fan who was just flipping around my TV and heard Punk speak, after Punk's done, I would turn the channel because that's probably all I wanted to see if you don't tell me you're wrestling later tonight. So that was my one nitpick. And then overall with Collision, it felt like a one-off special more it than did. the start of a new show. Like yeah. there was nothing to hook you and give you that cliffhanger for next week or for Forbidden Door. Like you either, I think with a wrestling program, you always have to have a hook for the next show, the next, the following week, or you have to have a hook for your next pay-per-view. And there was none of that on this show. But as far as it being a one-off, taking it in a vacuum, you had a title change, you had a banger of a matchup with Andrade and, and Buddy Matthews, you had Miro looking like a star, the women had a good night with Sky Blue getting the big win yes. in her hometown, and then the main event was just old school, kind of kind of slow to start and then build up to the bigger moments with CM Punk and Joe going face-to-face -face in that electric atmosphere. Uh, I love the story of, C of Samoa Joe would have beaten CM Punk if it wasn't a tree matchup and i thought commentary did a good job at that and overall i think that collision came off as having a different feel a different pace a different look a different sound to dynamite so they accomplished a couple of those things there yeah uh look the look of dynamite the president or excuse me the look of collision the feel of collision the everything about it it did feel different and the stage was just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, commentary was a, a, a bit of a breath of fresh air uh, as well, even though they were not without their issues on Saturday. I think they'll start to gel here a little bit as we move forward. Obviously, JR was supposed to be a part of that team. Uh, he injured himself uh, pretty badly. Still showed up for the main event, but he's going to be taking some some time there. But I think overall, the presentation of it was great. And I agree with you, and I agree with MCASP in the chat who said Collision was great. The only thing I wish uh, was more angles and, and what's happening next week. Because really, after, you know, honestly, after Punk came out and cut his promo, which was to set up potentially himself and MJF, and, and maybe, maybe something with the Elite, down the line or hangman adam page if they ever decide i don't think we're going that direction um i don't think it's happening but the seeds have been sown if there's an opportunity to go there once you got past that and once you got past the opening contest which we'll talk about here uh coming up in a little bit there was no story there there was no story there was no other than the women's match which again was more about sky blue getting over in her home crowd it would as far as advancing things as far as setting up like you said, to hook you in for next collision, other than to just tune in to see what CM Punk is going to say at collision next week. And he's going to be on Dynamite. Like, Dynamite has got to be so heavy to set up what's going to be going on in collision just a few days later. It's not even funny. Like, there's not a match announcement. And, and that's why I wanted Collision to set some stuff up for Collision to not put yeah. all the weight on Dynamite. Because last week's Dynamite accomplished a lot with building to Collision, with building to Forbidden Door. I would have just liked the final Dynamite before Forbidden Door to be all about selling me on Forbidden Door. Even though I don't need that much selling, I wanted the hard sell for Forbidden Door mm -hmm. to stick the landing on what has been a much better Forbidden Door build up than last year but it seems like we're gonna spend the two hours with 
good good wrestling because all the matches I think are going to be good on this week's Dynamite, but they also have to build to Forbidden Door as well as Collision. 100%. I agree with Stephen Chambers um, in the chat. I think you got a a really, he says sky blue, uh, bright future in uh, AEW for those listening on the podcast, but uh, I agree. I think we got a, a look at the future of the AEW women's division in that women's tag team match, specifically Sky Blue and Willow Nightingale. Willow Nightingale is a freaking rock star, man. Like her music hits and you're just happy and you're 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 just ready to watch her perform. And she is very quickly becoming one of my favorite performers, uh, period here. The one thing that I really did like about CM Punk's promo is I think it definitely sets up the what CM Punk that we're going to see. And it was a lot of the symmetry from his really honestly his final heel run in wwe straight down from the haircut straight down to him taking off the aew mic flag in the exact same manner that he took off the wwe mic flag and chucked it and we're about to get cm punk versus the world and i think you know a lot of questions were is punk gonna be a heel when he comes back is punk gonna be a babyface when he comes back neither i think they're going to approach this with cm punk being who he is unapologetically him if he feels like he has to defend himself, guess what? He's going to do that. He's going to say what's on his mind, no matter what you honestly think about it. And however the crowd reacts, great. We got F the Elite chance on Saturday night in Chicago. Why? Because Punk is Chicago's boy, right? That's, that's his turf. CM Punk is supposed to be on Dynamite this week, according to reports. The Elite are not. That's CM Punk's turf. If CM Punk cuts that exact same promo in Philadelphia, I don't think it hits with the crowd. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. If he cuts it in Seattle, who knows how that... Cuts it in Los Angeles, it ain't happening. Yeah, exactly. Cuts it in LA, not a chance in hell. So I think they're going to proceed in the best way possible. Just let Punk be himself, and however the crowd reacts, allow one Bill Phil to kind of navigate and take the direction that that honestly he sees fit. Um, one thing that I did find very interesting, according to the Wrestling Observer, after Punk's promo and match, suddenly AEW Dynamite and Collision ticket sales have seen a uh, pretty good uptick uh, since Saturday's show. Now, that's not saying much with Collision because they weren't selling at all, but actually seeing Punk, hearing what he had to say, it does get people interested. But again, I come back to the point where I think they had at one point like 1,500 tickets sold for this coming Saturday's collision, and they still like didn't make any kind of announcement for the show this weekend is, is absolutely mind-boggling to me. Um, but again, I like where they have set up with Punk, knowing that he's going after MJF, which seems to tease that something is coming up down the line. The only thing I don't like about that kind of signifies to me that maybe Adam Cole is not going to be the guy that beats MJF for that world heavyweight championship. Uh, we only I have... told you that last week. Yeah. I, I told know. you, I told you that I told you that last week you were uh, holding out hope, but I was like, I was out nothing, out. nothing has indicated that Adam Cole is going to be that guy or should be that guy. He yeah. had a great, great match with, with, uh, with MJF with the time limit draw, but no he's not the guy he's you need to you need to at least drag this mjf thing out until like all out i say full gear or winter is coming you need to drag it out to the end of the year where aew is getting desperate and throwing more guys at him to take the title off of him well i think the perfect you want to talk about symmetry the, the perfect plan is to have 
MJF reach the end of November, December with the championship and have CM Punk challenge MJF for the AEW world title to keep that world title in this company, in AEW, and do the reverse of what you did with Punk and John Cena in WWE. You want to do that kind of, you you could do the whole, you could do the winner of MJF or whatever the hell you want to do and, and build up that angle that way. Um, but what I'm kind of hoping the results of collision means is that at some point we're going to get MJF and Wardlow. I'm not shocked anymore that they're going to do a TNT title change. But I mean, taking it off of Wardlow, you got to be moving him up at this point, don't you? They don't even mention the fact that he just absolutely waxed Max back before he disappeared. They don't even mention that anymore. And they honestly really should be. I hope they're moving this boy up because otherwise, what's the point of continuously having him win the TNT title and then drop it like three days later? I don't understand it. I did love Christian Heel grabbing the belt like he won the damn thing, but I don't understand what they're doing with Wardlow at all. At all. Um, I think that Tony Khan realized that this uh, Wardlow, Wardlow restoration project wasn't working, and he moved on. And I think that Rick and the rest of the Wardlow friends need to move on as well. Unless there's a hot angle coming and, and going back to MJF, it, no, it's just not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same as hot as he was after Double or Nothing. Like, it's just not going to be that. Like, MJF put a big bucket of cold water on any momentum Warlow had with his promo following Double or Nothing, and things haven't been the same for him as far as booking-wise. I don't think, I think that there was nothing, absolutely nothing, indicating that Warlow is being moved up. It's more indicating that he's going to be in this TNT title uh, scene, and he's going to probably win the title back to become the record four-time winner more than he's going up to the world title scene. There have only been three TNT champions that have had a reign over a hundred days so far out of like the 18 or however we've had at this point. And two of them were within the first three reigns. This thing, as, as Steven says, in the, it's been, it just changed the name. It ain't the TNT. It's the hot potato title. It's the hot potato title at this point. Cause how long is Luchasaurus going to have this damn thing? How long? But I hope Not forever. Long. I hope Not long. For he didn't even he didn't even get to touch the title. It's Christian. I know. I love. <laughs> I love Christian so damn much. Him grabbing that belt before Luchasaurus could even sniff the damn thing and climbing the rope and screaming, "I did it! I did it! I took the TNT title. I'm the champion." Was such a perfect chicken shit heel move. That it honestly made me forget in the moment that Wardlow just lost the belt for the third time in like the last six months, which is utterly ridiculous. But again, a good show. Hopefully they got something to build off of it. We'll find out on Dynamite on Wednesday. Uh, and now the there has been as many TNT title changes in the first six months of 2023 than there was in the whole of 2022. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> no, it's not. It's definitely not. It's definitely not a good thing. No. Hey, guys, uh, everybody who's in the chat right now, again, do me a favor. Make sure to hit that uh, thumbs up button. It really helps uh, drive up our audience. If you're new to the show, if you like what you hear, uh, make sure to hammer that subscribe button and turn those notifications on uh, so you know when we're going to go live and when we're about to drop uh, some new interview content for you here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. Uh, SmackDown. 
uh, the day before collision on Friday had a really, really hot ending SP3. We talked about potentially one civil war, CM Punk versus the world versus AEW, whatever story they're going to progress there. We have a literal family civil war in WWE. In fact, that is what now money in the bank is being called the bloodline civil war. The main event has been set after Roman Reigns gave Jay Uso the ultimatum on, on Saturday. You need to make your decision. Is it your brother or is it us? And this was a segment that maybe was drawn out just a little too long as you and I talked about on another channel Friday night after it ended. But Again, spectacular storytelling, I thought. And this was a moment. Everything is about timing. This bloodline storyline was really starting to ramp up, and they needed to hit the crescendo at the right moment and make a move to take this story into the next chapter. And when Jimmy or when Jay Uso turned around and acted like he took the bait from Roman Reigns and started railing into his brother talking about how my entire life I've been trying to catch up to you. You're the oldest brother. You're the prom king. You're the star player. You're the player of the year, right? Like, I've always had to catch up to you, and now I'm here. I'm the right-hand man. I'm going to stand on my own two feet. And he's like, you know what? Screw you. You're out. And I'm out, too. And he super kicks Roman Reigns' head off of his body. They both take out their own brother and Solo Sokoa. And then they hit Roman Reigns again when he gets up in absolute disbelief uh, and just laid him flat. This is exactly what the bloodline angle um, needed. It, it, took the, it hit the crescendo at the right time to progress forward. And honestly, WWE, as we talked about on Friday, SP3, WWE has an opportunity here to really make Jay Uso, if that is their plan, if that is their plan, the way Roman Reigns laid it out for him is like, look, you're going to be, you're going to be the man who takes over. You're going to be the future world champion. You're the future tribal chief. You're the future of this family and the future of this company. If that wasn't just dialogue and WWE has plans to actually elevate Jay Uso to an even higher stratosphere to where the Usos have already been taken because of this bloodline story, they could have Jay Uso pin Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank to set up a world title match at SummerSlam. Yeah, they have the chance to really kind of set up the first challenger for Roman Reigns since Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. Yes, mm -hmm. two and a half months ago. Uh, it's, it's very interesting how they have kind of played this out. And I feel like they have hit their big moments very, very well. Whether it's Sammy turning on Roman, hit him with the chair and the bloodline, uh, beating him down. Whether it's, you know, Kevin Owens returning at Elimination Chamber. And then the story of KO and Sammy finally getting on the same page to come together before WrestleMania. Whether it's Sammy and KO beating the Usos at WrestleMania. WrestleMania, whether it's Jimmy turning on Roman and then this one with Jay choosing his brother over uh, Roman and the bloodline, I think that they have hit those marks very, very well. But that's not to say that everything's been perfect. It was a drag the six weeks after WrestleMania. You're going to feel one way or another about Cody Rhodes not being Roman Reigns and whether this, this feud could have went on without the championship. But I do agree with a lot of people who have said that the championship is a very important tool in this story. The, the crown of the tribal chief is that championship. That is the representative. That is the physical embodiment 
embodiment of Roman being the tribal chief. So Jay beating him at Money in the Bank and staking his claim to become the tribal chief before Roman wants it to go down. I think yeah. it's, it's a great story and a logical next step in the next chapter of this all-time great story so i am all there with you i think that this was so well done this this segment or other than my nitpicks of of jay kind of looking kind of foolish because we already knew jimmy didn't want him to be the right hand man because he was like he didn't want to be yet manipulated by roman his cousin but to each his own they landed where they needed to land it and they landed superbly i am all here for this story and i want to see how they further progress this the last two weeks heading into money in the bank yeah your your point on cody rhodes by the way like the farther we get out from wrestlemania the more i see cody drifting off to sea and not finding his way back to roman reigns like i still believe cody is going to be a world champion someday I, he may even be a multi-time WWE champion someday, but right now at this point, I, and it's granted still a long time between now and next year's WrestleMania. If Roman Reigns is still champion post SummerSlam, which I think he ultimately will be. Um, I don't see Cody Rhodes at this point, finding his way back and being the one who faces Roman at WrestleMania next year. But a lot of things can change. He still has to get past Dom. This weekend, which I think he'll probably lose due to Bro next weekend due to due to Roman Re due to Brock Lesnar's interference. Then he gets past Brock. I don't, Brock I don't see Brock showing up in the UK unless he's advertised. I don't oh, see. Yeah. I don't see that. I think. I think point. that I they. It's overseas. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that Cody gets the win over over Dom, and we more than likely get Brock, you know, on the Raw after. I I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. I just don't see it right now, and I think that. Roman will get by this whole bloodline, but I do think they did a good job of setting Roman up for the next couple of months with this whole Usos rivalry where you can keep Roman busy up until the end of the year before we get to WrestleMania next year. And I think they will probably trot out or Cody Rhodes again, but is it going to be the right time? What I'm really looking forward to with Cody is 2025, 2026 when he's a free agent again. And that we really learn his real feelings on not <laughs> winning at WrestleMania 39. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, he's the ultimate company guy, man. Like he is look, and a lot of these people are though. A lot of like when you interview people in SB3, you you know it, right? You know when you're being lied to, right? You know when you're being lied to, you know when you're being fed a, a line of what the company would want you to say because you don't want to get in trouble with somebody. And I'm going to bring that up coming up here in, in, in a little bit. when We talk about a gentleman who returned on Monday Night Raw last night. All right. I'm all, I, first hand experience. I knew when I was being lied to, but it's OK because I understand it. But um, yeah, man, that could not have sat well with Cody, but maybe they make it up to him. I don't know. Again, we got a long way to go uh, to get back there. Uh, a shock. Great point. Jay Uso hosting women's division karaoke to being main event. Jay Uso. Honestly, it's one of the best. It is one of the best evolutions that WWE has had in the last few years. I love the line that Roman dropped on Friday where he said, it took 10 years just to get you all on WrestleMania. And now this year, since you've been with me, you've main evented everyone. I thought that was great. Look, Roman dropped a lot of truth. This bloodline story has elevated the Usos from underrated and underappreciated tag team to now you will have people who will call them the greatest tag team of all time. That is a hell of a leap.
That is an absolute hell of a leap. And Jay Uso as a performer has grown leaps and bounds uh, since, you know, this started. Uh, a shock asking is hook rumored to be going to WWE. I don't know about going to WWE, but there's been conflicting reports on them being interested in hook. And maybe as far as the pending soon to be pending free agents, uh, WWE believes he might be the easiest to land. Cause there's been some reports that Taz wants hook to go to WWE, but honestly, uh, who, who knows at this point, you know, why wouldn't you be interested in hook though? That's kind of like, that's kind of like one of those reports that somebody feels like they're just throwing a, a dart against the board and saying, Oh, this should, this should stick because, why wouldn't you? The guy's really, really young. He's charismatic without having to do anything. And he's really freaking good in the ring. And he's way over. Of course you're interested. Of course you're interested. SP3, where we're supposed to have a, a world title uh, match last night on, on Monday Night Raw. Now, that did not end up happening. Uh, Finn Balor attacked Seth Rollins at the start of the show. And then after the commercial break, attacked him again backstage cutting a promo later saying he wanted to make sure that nobody, not whoever his challenger was going to be last night, not Braun Breaker uh, at Gold Rush, which that match is still on for tonight, Braun Breaker versus Seth Rollins. Nobody was going to take that World Heavyweight Championship away from him except for Finn Balor. Now, this was not the reported original opening. Originally, Seth Rollins was supposed to defend the belt against an unknown opponent. No one's really named the opponent. What we do know is... It was not going to be Johnny Gargano, as uh, many of us had hoped it would be with him, with the show being in Cleveland and him being one of Cleveland's favorite sons in WWE, although there are many of them, as we found out last night. But uh, apparently this was a Vince McMahon call that he felt like more heat was needed to be added uh, to Finn Balor to this angle and felt that this was a better open to the show than what was originally planned and he really pushed for this and they went that direction and there were even some backstage who said yeah you know what in this occasion he was actually right and we don't know what the first 30 minutes was going to be but there were some people backstage who felt that this first 30 minutes was better than what was originally planned and that vince made a good call here what did you think about the open to the show last night sp3 <laughs> um yeah uh, it made me not like Finn because we didn't get a good matchup. I'll just be honest. This was a very mixed bag episode of Monday Night Raw. Like other it than was. other than Chapo winning Riddle versus Ludwig and the main event, I could have missed the whole and Logan Paul. I could have missed the whole damn show. That's literally I literally gave you like 30, 40 minutes. I did not need to watch a three hour program that was pretty much non in inconsequential like and finn attacking attacking seth yeah it added a little bit more to their to their rivalry i guess i mean i much have rather have seen finn do that and then win a match maybe i think that would have helped him out a lot more than just attacking seth rollins so yeah i mean yeah Finn did get booed uh, by the crowd, says A-Shock, but still eclipsed by uh, by Nepo Dom. Uh, look, Dom is, Dom is still the most hated guy in WWE right now, and he's going to be for a while. It is such, you know, instant uh, instant heat. Um, as far as the thing that bothers me about this, right, because I was under the impression, like my assumption, like many, was that Johnny Gargano was going to get that opening, that opening match. And when Fightful reported that Johnny Gargano did not it was not supposed to be in the opening match. One, it makes me think that it was Dolph Ziggler. 
because I'm thinking who else was from Cleveland that wasn't on the show last night. So it made me think that it was going to be Dolph versus Seth, which kind of pisses me off because that match would slap, right? And Dolph is bulletproof. He can lose that match. <laughs> I'm good. Like, no, no, it would not. It would be uh, it would be a freaking shadow of what they did in 2018. I'm no, sorry. Man. When when it was so recent that they had great matches and Dolph hasn't improved any something. I mean, look, I'm I'm not going to scoff at watching Seth and Dolph wrestle like you just did, but that would have been my guess. That would be my educated guess of who it was supposed to be, and it was probably Vince going, ah, screw that, we don't need that. Um, the fact that Johnny wasn't in that spot, and then he still didn't get on the show last night, and he was there? He was there backstage, according to Feifel? There are three dudes right now that WWE is doing nothing with, and it's mind-boggling to me, and it's Johnny, and I don't know if they're just waiting for the entire way to be healthy so they can progress with whatever storylines that they're doing, but they brought back Champa last night and still Johnny wasn't on the show. And it's the Street Profits. The Street Profits, who were the number one team that was drafted in the WWE draft, went over to SmackDown, took place in this gauntlet match to determine number one contenders for the tag team titles. They didn't need to win it, right? Baby faces going up against baby faces and Sammy and Kevin. They didn't need to win the match. They didn't even make it to the first commercial break, SP3. They didn't even make it to the first. Like, we keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for Montez Ford, who for three years now we've been talking about this guy's a future main event player as a solo star, and they keep pushing off his solo push to do what? To do what? They're doing nothing. They have done nothing with them as a tag team since they lost to the Usos over a year ago. Nothing. And now they can't even get past the first commercial break? They're losing to the Brawling Brutes in five minutes on SmackDown? Not, you know, putting my thumb in the air and knows about the brawling brutes, but still, those three dudes right now not being used, not being utilized. I don't understand it. I don't get it right now. And it's one of the biggest damn head scratchers. Johnny Gargano should at least be in money in the bank. At least should be in money in the bank. You called it last week, though, SP3. We we do have a seventh competitor in the men's money in the bank. So let's get to this, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Cleveland's other favorite, air quotes around that, favorite son returned last night to the city by the lake. Logan Paul. And the second that he started cutting this promo on top of a ladder, we absolutely knew where this was going. And if you listened to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast last week, you knew where it was going anyway. Or if you follow me on Twitter, because I tweeted out the clip, you can follow me at Rick Uchino. Follow him at TrueHeelSP3. You know exactly where this was going. Logan Paul, because he's an attraction, because he is in management's pocket, because he's influential, we'll say, talked his way into the Money in the Bank ladder match on July 1st at the O2 in London. You said it last week, SP3. Do you still believe it? that Logan Paul should now be considered the favorite to win the briefcase now that he's officially been added to the match. Yes. Oh, hell yeah, I do. I was so happy to be right. 
because that's what this money in the bank ladder match needed. It needed some star power. It needed some eyes, some attention for Ricochet to do some fun stuff in this matchup. For Shinsuke Nakamura to do his kicks and his Kinshasa's. For LA Knight, yeah, to be the most popular guy in the UK. He's going to get the red hot reaction. And you need Butch to show out in the UK. You need Santos yep. Escobar to fly all over the place. You need Damian Priest to be kind of the 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 big man, the cane role in this yep. Money in the Bank Great ladder match. But you yep. needed the star. You needed the star that could shine bright and become Mr. Money in the Bank. And I'm sorry, folks, you're not going to get both. The favorites in both of these matches is LA Knight and it's EO Sky. I much rather think EO Sky is closer and has been built well enough to make it to the mountaintop and win the woman's money in the bank more than they have done anything to make me remotely feel LA Knight has been prepared for all of this. But I think LA Knight is ready. Don't get me wrong. I just don't sure. think they have booked him like someone who is going to win or should win money in the bank, even though. You can you can go back in history and Damian Sadow lost like eight matches before he won the money in the bank. But that's not the best example. I need Logan Paul, Mr. Money in the Bank. I can't wait. Can't wait. Mr. Logan Paul in the bank. So if WWE, which they don't do, by the way, SP3, if they don't do, and I'm not saying this, I'm not saying that he's not the favorite, right? But if WWE errs on the side of common sense, what they which they rarely ever do, Logan Paul's not winning the Money in the Bank briefcase because you have you're not going to have Logan Paul cash in on Roman Reigns. I don't think you will. You've already been down that road with Logan Paul and Roman Reigns, and you want to keep the title on Roman Reigns until WrestleMania 40. Now, what yep. you could conceivably do is have let's just say Cody Rhodes beats Roman Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania 40, and you have Logan Paul then cash in on Cody Rhodes in the main event of WrestleMania afterwards to claim the belt okay fine i could see it at that point okay i could see it i wouldn't i would i don't think i would like it but i would see i would it. love it i would love it you're also not going to have logan paul cash in on seth rollins because you have built up this world heavyweight championship your sole purpose of creating it was to be the opposite the antithesis of roman reigns so you're not going to turn around and put it in the hands of another part-timer who's never going to be on TV to defend it. That would make no sense whatsoever. Unless, also, they put the briefcase in the hands of Logan Paul, so he cashes it in on Gunther or Austin Theory, which commentary confirmed last night is also a rule now. He can have it. He can cash it in on any championship that he wants at any time. So unless that's the avenue Logan they're going to go with Logan him to Paul do. Paul is not an idiot like Austin Theory. He's not an idiot. He's not going <laughs> to cash in on I'm a mid-card saying. title. I'd be perfectly fine with him cashing in on Seth Rollins because guess what? A lot of the things they said about this world heavyweight title has not been true. So why not? Why not have a part? And that's why, why? And that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying I'm not saying he shouldn't be considered a favorite, but if WWE is going to go with the story that they've told about this World Heavyweight Championship, they're not going to put that on Logan Paul either. So he either holds the Money in the Bank briefcase for a long time until there's some title changes, or you go with the angle that makes sense, which is, which is Damian Priest. But I think what makes a ton of sense for them is LA Knight. 
Yeah. His music hit last night. He was the biggest star in the building. We all see it. Everybody in the crowd sees it. How can WWE not see it? He is a bright, shiny new star with an old school feel. And I mean new star as far as WWE is concerned because that man's always been incredibly talented. This is a guy who has risen from the literal ashes of the maximum male models dumpster fire when he first started out there and they had him going by the name of Max Dupree. He has survived that. He survived the Royal Rumble incident where his match got cut and he looked like a total chump because he got two freaking moves in in that entire match. And one of them was a no sell kendo stick shot to the head, right? Like that, that, that was a dumpster fire of a match because it got cut for time restraints and the aesthetic wasn't, wasn't that great. He survived that. This man barely wins matches and he still survives that. He came out last night and he torched everybody. On the microphone. It wasn't even close. Logan Paul, not even close. Shinsuke Nakamura, no offense to him, not a competition. Ricochet, forget it. Santos Escobar came out and poured cold water on that, on LA Knight's promo, because he couldn't live up to it. And I like Santos Escobar a lot. And then Bush didn't even try. He just gets down in the ring and starts throwing haymakers, which was the best thing that he could do. LA Knight walks the walk, talks the talk, and has the following. I mentioned Johnny Gargano, right? Like, I don't understand why they're not doing anything with him. At least WWE can justify not doing anything with him because for one reason or another, whether it's their own fault or not, the audience investment in Johnny Gargano isn't quite there. It's there with LA Knight. There is no excuse. There's no excuse. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been watching WWE way too long, and I've seen them miss out on 101 hot acts people that were ridiculously over like LA Knight. I want LA Knight to win. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I want LA Knight to win. But I just seen WWE miss out on the obvious pick too many times that I'm not going to pick LA Knight. I'm picking Logan Paul. You're probably right. I'm going to hope. I'm going to wish. I can dream. But with Vince being the man up high and having kibosh on certain situations, I think back to Vince McMahon was not a fan of L.A. Knight. And maybe that's the only opinion that mattered. Maybe it's changed since then. Maybe. But, mm, and no, no, you can't do this to L.A. Knight either. Like, if you want him to beat Theory for the United States title and not win money in the bank, fine. Nobody should be cashing in money in the bank on the mid-card titles. I'm sorry. That's a dumb rule, and it absolutely 100% needs to go. Am I here? Am I still here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I filled in for you. Moving on. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yes, moving on. Number two, um, damage control continues to be on the outs with one another. And uh, after they lost a uh, tag team match this past weekend on SmackDown, we cut back to a uh, backstage promo where EO Sky and Bailey are arguing with one another. And then Shotzi comes up there and uh, she challenges Bailey for a spot in the Money in the Bank briefcase, to which EO Sky says, you're on. Which makes me think, especially after Trish Stratus qualified for Money in the Bank last night over Raquel Rodriguez, that Bailey's not making it to Money in the Bank, SP3. Is there, <laughs> judging by the look on your face and how close you are to the camera right now, look, at, look how good looking that man is. Look, Just look how good looking that man is. Does it make any sense on any level to replace Bailey with Shotzi in the Money in the Bank ladder match. 
getting like up real close. No. No. <laughs> what? We're gonna put the person who probably had the 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 person who couldn't have a good match with with EO Sky. I think Chotsky has some skill. I think Chotsky is talented. Don't get me wrong, but the Money in the Bank ladder match is not for her. So no, you gotta have Bailey in there. You gotta if even if EO is not gonna win, you gotta have Bailey in there to progress that story. So I think Bailey should stay in the money, the woman's money in the bank. But I'm saying that, and then watch Shotzi win. Yeah, I have a feeling that Shotzi's gonna win, and I don't think it makes any sense either, unless WWE is literally looking looking at this from a nuts and bolts perspective and going. Crap, we got four heels and only two baby faces. We need somebody else. We need another baby face in there to even the odds and give them somebody else to root for. I'm sorry, ain't nobody. Nobody's even going to be rooting for Zelina in this match with Becky in there. So why are you even bothering? It The, the way that they have set it up, If honestly, if they're looking to replace anybody, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way towards Zelina, but it should be Zelina because this the way you've already set up this, this match, it's it's Becky versus the world. The last two people that she has been feuding with before she started feuding with Trish and Zoe Stark were Bailey and EO. Like, if Dakota was ready or was still healthy, the entire ladder match should just be all three members of Damage Control, Trish and Zoe and Becky. Becky versus the entire world. That's the women's money in the bank that you, you should have set up in that situation. Bailey 100% needs to be in that match for EO to win it over Bailey. Not to have Bailey screw up from outside interference and accidentally cost EO the match because EO is the one who needs to win the match uh, in two weeks. Number three, I was so happy last night, SP3. Tommaso Ciampa is back. He's back in WWE. He was on Monday Night Raw. He answered an open challenge from The Miz. His former boss, friend, whatever you want to call it from their time together during his first run on the main roster honestly really before triple h got there when he had to go away for uh to have surgery um came back with his old music came back with his old look the dirty grandpa beard was back none of this brushed in brown shit anymore and he beat the hell out of the miz he beat the hell out of the miz and then if you missed it a wwe exclusive he cut a promo backstage for the 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 online audience talking about how you get, you know, I made every mistake possible. I made every mistake possible when I came up to the main roster, and now it is time to course correct and change things. And I immediately heard that, and I went, yeah, I knew you were kind of lying to me a little bit when you talked about how you were down with uh, teaming up with The Miz when you first came up to the main roster. But I digress. I digress. I'm sure you have personally nothing wrong with Mike The Miz Mizanin, nor do I. I don't have an issue with The Miz at all. But we all knew that that was kind of a, a shoehorn team there together. And, you know, you had to make some mental gymnastics to make it work. But Tommaso Ciampa's back, SP3. The old music, the old look, the old attitude. What is the ceiling for this Tommaso Ciampa on Monday Night Raw? Uh, for this Tommaso Ciampa on Monday Night Raw, I think that him and Johnny Gargano 
as your undisputed WWE tag team champions. I think that's the stealing. That's the kind of the top of the, the food chain that he can get to be in the top of the tag team division. After that, maybe the ceiling rises and he can find himself in the main event scene. But just this Tommaso Ciampa in the current landscape of Monday Night Raw, I think that him and Johnny Gargano, DIY, being the ones to dethrone Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn or even a, a transitional champion in between that, I think that would be the best way to go. But yeah, I'm very happy for Tommaso Ciampa being back, someone that I've been watching for well over a, a decade now from his time in Ring of Honor through NXT to now. Very happy that he's back and healthy. Yeah, healthy, big time, big time. And hopefully he stays that way. And I like how you've kind of tiered that. And I think it's okay to set realistic expectations off the bat and then see where somebody rises, right? Um, in that exclusive for WWE.com, uh, he even, the last words out of his mouth were, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. An obvious nod to DIY, which is what that stands for, right? So I think the obvious pairing, the teases, I know Johnny wasn't on the show last night and it irritated me, but those two getting back together, winning the tag team titles, I think that is a very realistic ceiling. Going above and above board, I could very easily see this Tommaso Ciampa knowing how much Triple H likes him. I could see this guy being a world heavyweight champion. Not within the next year. Not within the next year, but down the line, hell, it's even Big Goldie. It's new. Main roster. Big Goldie. Right there, ready to go for Tommaso Ciampa. I could see it. I think a lot has to go right in this situation, but this is a great first step, SP3, and that is all you can really ask for. We saw a promo exchange between Bianca and Charlotte on Friday Night SmackDown. Going back to the women's division here real quick. Uh, those two throwing down over who should be the one to challenge Asuka and who's the best and comparing resumes, SP3. And, you know, if you wouldn't, if you had just watched that segment, right? You just watched that segment you kind of would have thought one of those two ladies was the WWE Women's Champion because Asuka was nowhere to be found. And very, very quickly here, SP3, she seems like the third wheel in her own feud. They just put the women's title on her. She just dethroned Bianca Belair. And now, before she was even set to get a rematch with Bianca Belair, they have now pivoted to Belair and Charlotte over arguing over who should be the one to take the belt off of Asuka and aren't even featuring her anymore. Asuka will be defending her women's championship in a less than two weeks on Friday Night SmackDown from the O2 in London ahead of Money in the Bank. So they can't even give her a pay-per-view match against Charlotte. She in danger? She in danger of losing this belt here, SP3? Uh, yeah. She was in danger of, of losing the title when she won it. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, I think Asuka is so talented, but they turned her heel. She has not received one boo since turning heel. <laughs> She's now in a feud with Charlotte Flair, who tends to lean heel despite playing despite WWE thinking that she is a baby face. And Bianca Belair, who most fans believe should be a heel. Yet Asuka is the heel in this whole scenario from WWE's point of view. It just doesn't make too much sense. 
I'm here for Asuka having a legitimate reign and actually beating both women in a triple yes. threat scenario and moving on to potentially feud with EO Sky, the Money in the Bank winner. I would love all of that. I just don't see this Asuka reign being long in the tooth. I'm going to say no for uh, her losing the championship in two weeks, but is she in danger? Yes. I think she's in real danger. I do not trust Asuka when she's booked with Charlotte Flair. I just don't. Charlotte says she has her number. Duh. Yeah, of course. Every major match that you guys have had, you have come out on top in. Every major one-on-one match. I can't remember the last time Asuka in a major one-on-one match and one that really mattered, that had legitimately high stakes that Asuka won. I can't remember off the top of my head. Again, Charlotte? No. It's not too many. Not too many. Yeah, Stephen Chambers saying Oscar retains. Bianca's going to stop Charlotte. I kind of hope that's the direction they go. I hope that they they do some bull crap to where, you know, Bianca costs Charlotte against Oscar maybe a couple weeks later when it's Bianca's turn again. Charlotte costs Bianca against Oscar, allowing Oscar to win both of those matches. And that sets up the triple threat match at SummerSlam. And then you have EO Sky cash in money in the bank win the women's championship by pinning Asuka and then you set up moving toward the rest of the year you set up Asuka and EO you have now elevated EO to a new a new stratosphere a new level Bailey will still be mixed in there as well that's a nice little story to be told between those three and then Charlotte and Bianca can move on and continue their feud because both of them have reached a level where they don't need a championship for that rivalry to be relevant, much like Trish and Becky. That is a relevant rivalry and the top women's program on Monday Night Raw by default, but still the top women's program on Monday Night Raw right now because of the relevancy of both of the competitors in there. They don't need the title. And Charlotte Flair says, I don't need a title to be relevant in her promo. I need WWE to prove that. Because I, the last time she didn't, the last time she had a rivalry that didn't revolve around a championship it's because Lacey Evans was trying to date her father. And we all know how that ended up. So I need WWE. She was, to, she was trying to ride Space Mountain. And Chris in the chat saying, remember Rhea cost Charlotte to lose to Asuka? No. And I, I think you barely remember that yourself. So unless you can tell me the date of that, of that occurrence without looking it up, without Googling it then yeah i don't think i don't think you should be saying like remember like yo guys remember like people supposed to remember that it must have not been that important because i remember that translating into a triple threat between all three ladies so it wasn't an important match like rick said (laughs) yeah uh it wasn't wrestlemania with an undefeated streak on the line after oscar just won the first ever women's royal rumble and that was her moment like that was her moment and they gave it. It to wasn't. It wasn't like Charlotte getting a random shot at the SmackDown Women's Championship before WrestleMania 35 and beating her two weeks before the show to make uh, the the main event for all the titles. Yeah, and then they gave Oscar the the freaking Women's Battle Royal on the yeah. pre-show. At least she won it. But Jesus, what does that even mean in the end? We talked about AEW Collision SP3. Uh, it was the return of CM Punk. First time since 286 days on television. But the same thing, that exact same thing can be said for Miro and Andrade. Both of their last appearances in an AEW ring came at All Out in Chicago. All three of those gentlemen returning. 
this past week on Saturday on the debut episode of Collision. We also got a return vignette for Scorpio Sky, who we have not seen in almost a year. It has been almost a year since he dropped the TNT title to Wardlow for his first reign. Other than CM Punk, for obvious reasons, which returning wrestler to the company do you think will have the biggest impact now that they are on AEW Collision on a regular basis? I, I thought <clears throat> I thought Andrade had a great matchup, arguably the match of the week overall with Buddy Matthews on AEW Collision. But the answer to this question is Miro. Miro came out looking like gangbusters, looking like a million dollar. Like, why hasn't this man have yes. been on television? Yes. Like, yes. you didn't need a whole matchup. You knew that by the entrance and the reaction that he got from that Chicago crowd. So it's got to be Miro, my answer. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And uh, look, Steven, I agree with you. Andrade beating Buddy Matthews with the figure eight in the significant other WrestleMania rematch. I loved it on AEW Collision. Absolutely. Loved I love that these two were the first ones that competed in this match together. Andrade's first match back with Buddy Matthews. And they both did. They did Rhea and Charlotte's uh, finishers in this. And I love that he put over the figure eight in the match. I, I, great. I loved it. It was a nice touch. And yes, Andrade looks jacked. And these two beat the hell out of each other. And it was a great match. But I look at Andrade, who I don't get me wrong, I think has star power. But I look at Miro and I go, this is a can't miss dude that somehow, somehow, some way, every freaking promoter has missed on. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Just throw him out there and let him do what he does. He can talk. He can be serious. He can be funny. And he kicks a shit ton of ass. And by the way, he's always over. How? That's your guy who should beat Max. That's your guy who should beat Max. How are you? It's irritating. It's irritating that this man, for years, I feel like, what? What are we up to? Almost eight years now? This man has just been overlooked and misused and just cast aside. He's too damn big. He's too damn athletic. He's too damn talented to do that. It, Miro better be the damn answer to this question. Better be. Although should I'm happy be. To, should be. And I, I, I'm happy Andrade's back. I think he can make a major impact. Obviously, CM Punk. And Scorpio Sky is no one to sneeze at either. But Miro should be the guy. SP3, what's going on? True Heel Heat this week. Uh, check out the True Hill Heat YouTube channel where we did a collision course or EEW collision review on Sunday. Myself, Romeo, and Sober Guy JJ reviewing the show. Check that out. That's up on the channel right now. The flagship podcast with myself, Miss Chrissy Love, and Steven Jensen from this past Saturday. I'll be live on the channel four days straight once again this week with uh, our AEW Dynamite review on Thursday. Uh, Friday, we got our Forbidden Door preview at 12.05 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, the flagship podcast at 11.05 a.m. Eastern Time. And then on Sunday, actually five days straight, Sunday, we got the Collision Review. And then Monday, we got Forbidden Door Review. So check out the True Hill YouTube channel for all of that. Yep. And uh, I will not be on the Fightful Collision postgame show again this week. P post game show, post show. You know what I meant to say. I'm not going to be on there this week, but I will be every Saturday uh, moving forward. Uh, so make sure to check me out there on the uh, Fightful YouTube channel. Subscribe again to Believe in Pro Wrestling right here, right now. Uh, I'm actually going to be doing something tomorrow that is really, really cool that I cannot legally tell you about 
until uh, mid-July. But it's coming. It's going to be awesome, and I cannot wait for you guys to check it out. Uh, hopefully, I'll be having some other cool stuff that I'll drop ahead of Money in the Bank as well, waiting for a few confirmations there. So, again, subscribe. Hit that thumbs up. Turn your notifications on. We got a lot of cool stuff coming to you here on Believe in Pro Wrestling. This has been the Tuesday Live Edition. We'll be back next week at 2 o'clock. I promise, at 2 o'clock. Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast, brought to you by Bet Online. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.